BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is the Tom Hartman Program. One of the most visible, obvious, extraordinary, widespread, mind-boggling crimes has been committed in the history of the White House. For 240 years, American presidents have respected not just the law, the Hatch Act, but the tradition that the institutions of government are essentially sacred, that they are for governance, not for politics, not for campaigning. We saw that just shattered. Two members of Congress, Representatives Raja Krishnamurthy and Don Beyer, Democrats from Illinois and Virginia, are calling for a, uh, an actual investigation into Hatch Act violations by the Trump administration. And not just the Trump humpers who were in the audience, but the members of his cabinet who were sitting in the front row. Two words that I did not hear last night, I just tweeted this a little while ago, two words that I did not hear last night from anybody, and now I didn't listen to all the commentary on all the networks, maybe they were mentioned, but two words that I thought should have been mentioned, like maybe every 10 minutes all night long, were Herman Cain. Herman Cain went to Trump's Tulsa rally, no masks, lots of people, got COVID, and died. And there were a lot of old folks there last night, and I'm seeing reports that nobody was tested or very few people were tested. Of course, most of these people who get sick as a result of Trump's super spreading event last night probably won't die until after the election. I mean, you know, we still got roughly two months and it takes a few weeks to get sick, to get symptoms, and then it takes a few weeks for the symptoms to get bad, and then it takes a few weeks for those bad symptoms to put you in the hospital, and then it takes a few weeks for the hospital to have to stick a tube down your throat and, and make you breathe, and that can last anywhere from, you know, one to four weeks, and then you die. And so, you know, you add all that up and it may well be the day after the election before, before Herman Cain shows up in, you know, who, who knows who it's going to be. But I think most importantly, the first job of a president is to be the president of all Americans. And when a president stands in the White House or on the grounds of the White House, and says, 
Those Americans don't love America. Those Americans are not true Americans. Those Americans don't even deserve the name American. Those Americans are evil people. Those Americans want to destroy our country. And yes, he used those words. When a president of the United States does that, he has lost all moral standing. He has lost any claim to being a legitimate president of the United States. He has shown himself to be a partisan hack. He has shown himself to be the worst kind of tin pot dictator that we see in third world countries. We've been seeing this for a couple hundred years. We're all familiar with the story where somebody may get legitimately elected to government and then they turn the instruments of government, the mechanisms of government, the tools of government, the property of government into something that helps them hold power. And Donald Trump has been doing that for four years, whether it was using his position as president to try to force the president of Ukraine to manufacture dirt on Joe Biden, whether it's using his power as president to travel around the country and hold so-called rallies and stick it to the American people for the cost. The list is just mind-boggling. But like I said, the number one job of a president, I mean, Abraham Lincoln did this in the Gettysburg Address. You know, now is the time to bind our wounds, to heal us, to bring Americans together. Donald Trump not only did not do that, he went out of his way to do the opposite of that. This man no longer has any right to claim, at least morally, and I would argue even legally, given how many laws he has broken and how enthusiastically he promoted breaking the law, you know, holding a political rally on your and my property. He has no longer any claim of legitimacy as president of the United States, in my opinion. Instead of binding us together and, and healing us, he tried to tear us apart, to pit one American against another, to inflame people like that 17-year-old Trump humper who killed two people in Kenosha and blew the arm off a third. And he did it all on our property. Donald Trump, the members of his family, and every single government employee government official in that audience, which was most of the cabinet, violated both civil and criminal law last night. I remember when Republicans were all hysterical that, that Barack Obama wore a tan suit or that he held a coffee cup in his hand when he saluted the Marine at Marine One, the helicopter. The salute being something that's not even necessary, it's a courtesy. Oh, that was, that was worth three days of hysteria. That was literally, there were literally on Fox News calls for impeaching Barack Obama because he had a coffee cup in one hand when he used the other hand to salute a Marine. Where are those people now? Did they really care about America? Was it really meaningful and important to them that not just traditions but law be upheld? by the person occupying the office of president of the United States? Apparently not. Apparently they don't give a rat's ass. They don't give a damn about this country. They don't care about our traditions. They don't care about democracy. 
See, my job is not to bind our wounds or heal us together. My job is to point out what the hell is actually going on. And what's actually going on right now is that we have a criminal in the White House. And he didn't just become a criminal last night. He paid $25 million for conning people with his Trump University. His three children have to go to classes on how not to be a grifter because of the Trump charity that was used to bribe Pam Bondi so that she wouldn't go after Trump University. Pam Bondi, who spoke night before last at the Trump convention. She's as corrupt as Trump. She just doesn't have as much power as he does to, to, to raise that corruption to an obscene level. But the bottom line here, in my opinion, in addition to all the, I mean, literally lies that this man and the people who preceded him said last night. And if you can, you know, on the internet, if you can find that clip of Rachel Maddow doing her first, you know, her fast summary of all the lies just in Trump's speech, you know, it's certainly worth passing around, sharing with your friends on social media, etc. But I mean, this is what we have. I mean, we knew two and a half years ago when the New York Times outed him that he had committed a multi-hundred million dollar tax fraud against you and me, against the American people, when he conspired with two of his siblings, Robert and Marianne, to steal his father's estate and do it in a way that screwed the IRS, that screwed you and me. He was negotiating a Trump Tower in Moscow literally up until the day of the election four years ago and lying about it. He was porking porn stars and Playboy bunnies and having his consigliere pay them off so they'd be quiet. A clear violation of campaign laws, a felony before he was elected. This is the Tom Hartman Program. I'm just over it. Last night, the White House was a crime scene. They must be punished. Tom Hartman here with you. On the line with us is the president of People for the American Way, the visiting scholar at the Annenberg School, former president of the NAACP, former candidate for governor for Maryland, along with our friend Susie Turnbull. PFAW.org, as in PeopleForTheAmericanWay.org, is the website. And, of course, I'm talking about Ben Jealous. His Twitter handle, of course, is also Ben Jealous. Ben, welcome back to the program. It's been a while. I'm curious your thoughts on the RNC last night or the convention last night. The president used the White House as a prop, and he just has failed. He's failed at every opportunity to heal this nation, to bring it together. He has doubled down and tripled down on his promotion of violence and seems to have taken no less from the fact that a young man who was at one of his events, a young man who clearly was inspired by him, did sort of the the kind of logical worst, if you will. In in the week when the president brought white people who waved guns at BLM protesters to speak at his convention, this young man goes out with a gun and shoots BLM protesters. It doesn't seem to give the president any pause. The cynicism, the callousness coming out of this White House, the nearly sociopathic behavior, it just kind of leaves you in shock. Reverend Sharpton has a big counter-protest going on in Washington, D.C., and 
yeah, my thoughts are with all of those protesters. I hope that they're safe from COVID. I also hope that they're safe from the president's followers. Yeah, today is the anniversary of the I Have a Dream speech and, and uh, you know, a major march in Washington, D.C. in memory of that. And also, you know, in, in defiance, essentially, uh, or maybe there's a better word, of this administration. And I would like to add my take on that, on this 17-year-old kid. He lived in Illinois. He traveled to Wisconsin with an AR-15 in order to, in my opinion, hunt human beings. This was not a protest. This man is a hunter, the same way that Don Jr. and Eric go out hunting big game, killing leopards and elephants and things. This kid decided he was going to go kill some protesters. He was going to go kill some black people, you know, ideally. I'm not sure the race of the people that he shot, but that would have been what he would have been expecting, I'm guessing. You know, in my opinion, we need to call it that. The Trump is inspiring hunters, predators who are hunting human beings. It's just bizarre. I'm wondering if you think that there's a message for voters outside of Trump's base in what we've seen over the last four days with this convention. Yeah, he brought black speakers there whose job it was really to try to assure white people that the president is not a racist. And that seemed to be sort of a core message that he's really fighting for black people. I don't think there's really many black folks who believe that. But it's, it's an old kind of trope in the Republican Party to put up a black person uh, whose job it is, you know, while it appears to be trying to recruit blacks into their party while we continue to flee their party in droves. And right now, an almost infinitesimally small number, while having these black speakers appear to be of trying to appeal to blacks, what they're actually doing is trying to assure suburban white women that the president isn't as racist as virtually every black person in the country says he is, like you know, 99.5% of black people uh, seem to think uh, this, this, this president is. So, so we saw that dance. You know, we um, saw the president try to, uh, you know, this, it, the stock market's been up and down and all over the place. And we saw him try to really take credit for this economy. I think that was another message. Now, my big concern, Tom, is that what we're not seeing on the Democratic side, quite frankly, is we're not seeing the Biden campaign invest in fighting for Latino voters. And people for the American way, ever since 2012, we have been the primary outfit out there really fighting for Latino swing voters. We keep hoping it's the last cycle that we need to be running statewide ads on Spanish language radio, Spanish language television through our Latino votes program. It's ultimately led at the board level by Dolores, uh, Dolores Huerta on our board. It was her brainchild that the Democratic Party, that the presidential campaigns will just get it right finally. Uh, it would only cost up $15 million, to put in perspective, to really saturate the airwaves and, and mail every possible Latino swing voter in the battleground states. And yet we're not even seeing that level of commitment. Last time I looked at the ad spend, Trump had outspent Biden on Spanish language radio and television 10 to 1. And why is that important? It's important because if you look at Wisconsin, for for instance, which people don't think of as a particularly having a particularly large Latino population, the Latino voting population in Wisconsin is six times Trump's margin of victory. 
And what Trump knows, and we're not paying attention to enough, is right now he's running about 40% with Latino voters. Uh, by comparison, um, you know, if you look at past cycles that Democrats had won, Latino voters vote 70% for Democrats. If the Republicans down around 30 or even 28, the Democrat tends to win. Uh, if Latino voters, whether it's a statewide or whether it's a national election, support backing a Republican around 40%, the, the Republican tends to win. And so that's what's keeping me up at, at night. And we did see, you know, some appeals to Latino voters from Trump, the RNC. But what we've also seen in parallel is Trump buying a ton of ads, Spanish language radio, Spanish language television, and outspending Biden ten to one, who still doesn't seem to, to get it. And that and that worries me. Yeah, they're also doing it in Spanish language ads on Facebook as well. It's scary stuff. You have been inside the Democratic Party. I mean, you ran for governor and you've been outside the Democratic Party. I'm curious your thoughts on this word Democrat being used as the descriptor for our political party. Back in the 1950s, Joe McCarthy said, and I'm paraphrasing, but don't ever say Democratic Party. That sounds too nice. That sounds like, you know, one of the ideals of America. Instead, say Democrat Party with the emphasis on the rat. And that got revived in the late 90s by Newt Gingrich. And it has become basically the religion of Fox News and the Republican Party <laughs> and the Republicans. Yeah. And we saw the literally the president of the United States last night mispronouncing the name of a party that is as old as the Republic. The Democratic Party was started by Thomas Jefferson. Why is the Democratic Party not responding to this? Why is there not more outrage? I mean, it's reached the point now where I'm hearing news commentary. I heard this on NPR the other day. Somebody referred to the Democrat Party. And I'm like, what the hell? Tell me your thoughts on this. <laughs> you know, it's, um, the Republicans are very good at framing and they're very disciplined. Uh, at, at pushing it out. And I think what's, what's far more important for our party is to really get clear. Biden shows every sign being the most progressive president since FDR. Bernie himself has said that. Obviously, you know, Bernie would have been more progressive, but Biden won and he has shown a real willingness to evolve, to listen, to pull in the likes of Bernie and AOC to advise him. And uh, and that's a, a really good sign that we should all embrace. And yet we're not hearing enough of, I think, is just a real targeted message towards working class brown folks, working class black folks, working class white folks. About what's the difference that our party plans to make in their lives? You know, that's been the message typically coming from from, you know, Bernie's campaign, the last couple of presidential primaries that has shown the ability to really go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Donald Trump's message. And that's what we need more of. This stage, I got to tell you, if God forbid Trump wins, it'll be because we didn't fight hard enough for Latinos and we didn't do enough to push young folks out. You know, we at People 4 are very laser focused on both, but it's what we need to be doing as a party. There you go. Ben Jealous, the president of People for the American Way. PFAW.org is the website. You can tweet him at People4 or Ben Jealous. Ben, uh, uh, thanks so much. It's great having you with us. Thanks, Tom. Always good to hear you. Bye now. Thank you.
Tom Perez, the chair of the Democratic National Committee, previously the Assistant Attorney General for Civil Rights and the United States Secretary of Labor. Democrats.org is the website. Tom Perez is his Twitter handle. And Secretary Perez, welcome back to the program. I see the Washington Post spent like pages fact-checking all the lies in that series of speeches at the RNC. Well, they're living in a parallel universe, Tom. Uh, we have a, it seems. A, we, have a pan, we have a pandemic uh, of coronavirus just crossed 180,000 deaths. And Larry Cabo talked about coronavirus in the past tense. Uh, we have another horrific jobs report this morning, first-time claims for unemployment. And you have a president without a plan. They do not mention the name Jacob Blake because that would be inconsistent with their whole tilt to the far right. No mention of fires in California, the hurricane, Laura, the climate crisis, because they don't have a plan. He doesn't have a plan for anything, so he distracts, 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 and makes up stuff. And I think the one thing that they're accurate about is that they have no platform. And they they had the uh, they had the uh, truthfulness to acknowledge that our platform is whatever the hell Donald Trump says it's going to be, and uh, that is one thing where they have been brutally honest. It's breathtaking, frankly. I'm curious your take on. I'm not sure if this is good news or bad news. Uh, this is posted over on Daily Kos uh, yesterday by FDR Democrat. Mm-hmm. It says I'm a registered Democrat in Virginia. I received a robocall yesterday. The call lasted about 30 seconds and was a laundry list of all the bad things that would happen to me if I requested a mail-in ballot. I can't remember everything exactly, but included things like, quote, the police can track you down if you have an outstanding warrant, end quote, and quote, the IRS can find you to collect back taxes, end quote, and ended with the words to the effect, don't let the man have your information. The voice was affecting an African-American accent and used slang like the man, making this uh, this poster think that this, these were robocalls that were directed toward African-Americans in Virginia. Is this a sign that they're losing and they know it or, or you know, which would be kind of good news, I suppose, or is this, are these kind of tactics, do they work and is that really bad news? Well, again, it's it's part of a pattern of trying to uh, engage in voter suppression on steroids. You know, when I headed the Civil Rights Division, I went after states that were engaged in um, voter ID laws that were targeting black and brown people, uh, Native Americans as well. We saw that. Now we see voter suppression on steroids going after the mail. There's, there are entire disinformation campaigns that are targeting African-American voters generally, and it's not just in vote by mail. Uh, Donald Trump knows he can't win uh, African-American voters, and he's trying to persuade them to stay home. The problem is, four years ago, he said to African-American voters, what do you have to lose? We actually know the answer to that question now, Tom. Your life. life. Look at the coronavirus death, your jobs. Uh, The unemployment rate has almost doubled for African-Americans under uh, Donald Trump. Uh, Look at the civil unrest uh, and the absence of a plan there. Uh, what did he call African nations? I won't repeat what he called them. Uh, it was the, the last four words were whole. The first four were you know what. Uh, so what's happening uh, vis-a-vis African-American voters and other voters of color is a very aggressive uh, uh, suppression campaign. And, and we knew it was coming. And, and we have the most robust voter protection operation that we've ever had. The broader ecosystem, we're working with our partners, uh, Eric Holder's group, Stacey Abrams' group, 
other groups out there. And, and the most important thing that I think listeners can do today, understanding what they're doing, is to make a plan to vote. Uh, go to IWillVote.com, Tom. Anywhere you live in the United States, you can go to IWillVote.com, one-stop shopping. You can get your registration status. You can register if you're not registered. You can request an absentee ballot. You can do anything uh, related to voting on that, um, on that site. And remember, November 3rd is the last day you can vote. It's not the first day. So make a plan, and don't make the plan the day before the election. Make a plan tomorrow, next week. You know, election day starts in 10 days in a number of states. So uh, that's, that's the key here. Let's, let's remember the marching orders we got from John Lewis. Voting is the most remarkable nonviolent tool that we know to build a more perfect union. That's what I think of. That's why I'll be at the march, uh, the anniversary of the March on Washington tomorrow in D.C. And my message is very clear. Make a plan. Get out there and vote. Go to IWillVote.com. And let's put an end to the most dangerous presidency in American history. We're talking with Tom Perez, the chair of the Democratic National Committee, former U.S. Secretary of Labor. Secretary Perez, make an affirmative case for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris as our next president and vice president, please. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are going to build an America that works for everyone. We're going to build back better. We, we understand the pandemic is job one. If we don't fix the pandemic, we can't fix the economy. And they have a very, very um, clear plan that involves federal leadership for building back better uh, by fixing our pandemic. We're building an America that works for everyone, where zip code doesn't determine destiny, where we address the issue of uh, racial equity, where we address the fact that uh, women doing identical work to men are still making less than men. They have a very concrete plan for addressing that. They have a concrete plan for making sure that we address the climate crisis. Again, we have four crises right now, our pandemic, our job loss, our civil unrest, and our climate crisis. And we, they're all existential. And they believe and I believe that civil rights is the unfinished business of America. And the way to address the racial unrest, the civil unrest, is to address the racial inequality in this country and to make sure that everybody has a seat at the table. That's what Joe Biden and Kamala Harris will do. Build an America that works for everyone, not just a few at the top. Address the persistent issues of inequality that have uh, torn our nation apart and created uh, two Americas, and that's not who we are, uniting the country, uh, making sure that everybody has a seat at the table. That's what they're going to do. And uh, this historic candidacy um, is prepared to get to work day one. The American people are asking the question, who can I trust to address these four crises? Who has the proven track record? Who can I believe? And I think that's Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. We got to get right to work. Do you see an affirmative right to vote being put into law or the Constitution in the near future? I see the Voting Rights Act. When we have the Senate and the House, we will pass the Voting Rights Act to address the 2013 decision that was one of the worst days of my tenure in the Obama administration because we need to make sure we um, give everybody the right to vote and acknowledge that racial discrimination in voting persists. Yeah. Amen. Tom Perez, the chair of the Democratic National Committee, former U.S. Secretary of Labor. Chairman Perez, thanks so much for dropping by. It's always great talking with you. Great to be with you, Tom.
Thanks and keep up the great work. Representatives Raja Krishnamurthy, the Democrat from Illinois, and Don Bayer, B-E-Y-E-R, the Democrat from Virginia, have called on the Office of Special Counsel to immediately launch an investigation into uh, whether acting Homeland Security Secretary Chad Wolf, who, by the way, the Inspector General at Homeland Security has ruled that he is in his office illegally. It requires Senate confirmation, and he has not been Senate confirmed. And other Trump administration officials violated federal law by participating in the Republican National Convention this week in their official government capacities. I think it's fairly obvious they broke the law. But anyhow, it's Anything Goes Friday, so, uh, you know, wrapping up the week, your thoughts on uh, what happened last night at the, DN- at the Republican convention, the hate fest that was conducted on your and my, on the grounds of your and my White House, something that literally has never happened in the history of our republic. This is what fascism looks like. This is what tin pot, tin pot dictators look like. And frankly, I think it was a crime. Carol in Manassan, Pennsylvania. Hey, Carol, what's up? Hi, Tom. Uh, unlike you, I was not able to watch. I just couldn't bring myself to to do it. I watched Melania, her speech the night before, where she wore that lovely suit, apparently designed by Putin. But <laughs> that did it for me. I said, I think I've had enough of this. But um, what I don't understand is how they can get away with using the White House as a prop to make a really, really expensive, actually well-done commercial for this man in the White House who is just literally sticking his finger in our eye. I mean, literally saying, you know, I'm here and you're not. And there were shots that I saw where it looked like the name Trump was actually on the White House. It was from a, yeah. a sign he had there. And I said, you know, it won't be long. If he's reelected, he will put the big Trump sign on that White House, and he will stick his finger, and you know which one, at the rest of us. That's my feeling. Yeah. And I don't understand how in the world people can stand for this. Because, I mean, when did it become possible for only one man, William Barr, in this country to have any say over what's lawful and what's not? When did we reach that point? I find that absolutely frightening. And I'll turn it over well, to this, you. Thank you, Carol. This is built into the Constitution. Many states have independent attorneys general. The, the uh, AG office is elected separately from the office of governor. Typically, in fact, in In the majority of states, it's an elected office. But here in the United States, at the federal level, it's an appointed office. It's appointed by the president. It's approved by the Senate. So when you've got a Republican president and a Republican Senate, and both of them have repeatedly shown their willingness to break the law, their willingness to just, you know, say to Americans that we should just all go take a jump in the lake, that we should all just go screw ourselves, that they don't care what the law says, then we've got a problem. And it's a problem that we've, we've faced in small form, frankly, the last time Bill Barr was attorney general. And that was when he was the AG for George Herbert Walker Bush. And Lawrence Walsh, the special prosecutor, was hot on the trail of Iran-Contra, and he was within, he had already indicted 13 people. He had already gotten five convictions, including Ollie North and Casper Weinberger. 
And he was heading for George Herbert Walker Bush, who was going to leave office in two weeks. This was Christmas Day, 1992. Bill Clinton had already been elected president, and he was going to be sworn in on January 20th. I guess that's three weeks, three and a half weeks, four weeks. And Bush went to Bill Barr and said, what do I do? You know, Lawrence Walsh just subpoenaed my diaries from the campaign back in 1980. He's going to know if I don't destroy this information, he's going to know that that, you know, we conspired with the Ayatollahs to hold the hostages and committed not just a crime, but, you know, that Reagan and I committed treason. What do I do? And from everything that we can read, uh, particularly the New York Times, if you have a New York Times subscription, just go look at uh, January 25th, 1992. Look at the front page of the New York Times. Screaming three-column, all-caps headline. Massive cover-up. Lawrence Walsh decries cover-up. George Herbert, President Bush pardons Weinberger, North, and others and shuts down the Iran-Contra investigation. And then Bill Clinton said, ah, we're not going to restart that, which I think was a massive mistake. You know, I get why he did it, but, you know, I think it was a massive mistake. Andy in River Falls, Wisconsin. Hey, Andy, what's up? I'm thinking about the money for the wall. Trump last night said that they have hundreds of miles of wall built, and they only actually have three miles built. So I'm thinking that they're taking that money, a lot of the money, the billions of dollars, and they're putting it into this SS, you know, like Barr's secret police. Because how are they funding plane tickets and guns and hotel rooms and rental cars and uniforms? These are things that we probably won't know, Andy, until after Trump has been evicted from office, God willing. And even then we may not know because it looks like they're destroying documents like there's no tomorrow that it's already started. But yeah, it's a good question. And yes, he has built three miles of wall. He claimed 300 miles last night. As always, he was lying through his teeth. They have renovated over 100 miles of wall. They've, you know, torn it down and rebuilt it and that sort of thing. And that's something that's been going on forever because there's an actual budget for that. You know, he took $5 billion out of the Pentagon's budget to build his wall and and handed it over to a bunch of private contractors who are well-connected to Republican politicians in the southern states and who kick back enormous amounts of money to Republican politicians, both Trump in the White House and guys in Texas and Arizona. You know, we don't have a lot to show for it. I'm guessing a whole, you know, that this is another con job, just like Trump University, just like Trump Steaks, just like Trump Vodka, just like Trump Airlines. It's just another con job. It's, it's uh, you know, it's another ripoff. But bottom line, we're not going to know for a while. Helen in Bellevue, Illinois. Hey, Helen, what's up? I was calling about the 17-year-old kid that shot the three people in Kenosha. Right, and killed two, Um, yeah. Yeah, killed two and and injured the third. He had been given a bottle of water by the cops while while he was walking around. And they thanked him for being there, yes, before he killed them, yes. Yes, yes. And then after he killed them, he walked by those same police with his hands up, and they ignored him and just kept on driving looking for protesters. Right. According to the law, a 17-year-old couldn't be carrying a gun. If he was in a store buying alcohol or tobacco, he would be carded, Yeah. right? They, they wouldn't allow yeah. him to purchase those items. But he's allowed to carry a gun around, and the police say it's okay. I well, don't this is the problem that we have, and we're, we've seen this in Portland, and we've now seen this in Kenosha where the police 
if not winking a nod to the right-wing bullies and, frankly, the right-wing assassins, because right-wingers have been responsible for every single political death in the United States over the last couple of years, you know, including the police officer that, you know, the shout-out at the RNC night before last, turns out he was killed by a boogaloo boy, although they implied that it wasn't. I think that was Mike Pence who said that. But, you know, the bottom line is that, you know, the cops are like, we saw this in Portland and we saw this in Kenosha where the police basically say to the right wingers, and we act, there's actually a video of this in both cases, saying to the right wingers, we're going to push the protesters into you. You guys take care of them. Right. They don't want more video of police beating the crap out of people <laughs> like they had you know, in Washington, D.C. when Trump wanted to do his photo op. And we've got a serious problem. There's a, a, an extraordinary story yesterday over on, I think it was Raw Story, it might have been Daily Kos, about how extensively white supremacist groups and Nazis have infiltrated police departments all over the United States. It's been an active campaign for at least a decade, maybe two decades. And then the second item is he is from Illinois and he doesn't have a FOIT card. So in order to What's purchase a, FOIT a card? gun, a card you apply for, in order to be able to buy ammo or a gun. So you have to apply ahead of time in the state of Illinois for this card. It comes out, it looks kind of like a driver's license. It has your picture on it and some information on it about you. And in order to go into a store and purchase a gun or purchase ammo, you have to have this card. That has been approved. So the odds are he simply drove across the border to Indiana and bought the gun there. I mean, you know, Mike Pence's Indiana. Guns and fireworks, no problem. Come on down. And tobacco, right. of course. Mike Pence used to work for the tobacco industry. Right. The state of Illinois. I looked up on the computer last night, and his parents are responsible for his being able to carry a gun and have ammo in his possession. Yeah, they've been encouraging him in this regard since he was apparently 10 years old. He's, he's gone to police events. And the other thing is that his schoolmates, his classmates in school say that, you know, if anybody said anything about Donald Trump that was negative, he would threaten them. I mean, oh you know, it's not like there weren't a thousand warning flags here. <laughs> um, so but, you know, the parents are also responsible. So legally, they are also should be held responsible for what he did. I agree. We don't know the details of this yet, so I'm not, you know, ready to go full ballistic on it. But what I have seen in news reports and on social media, and again, I can't personally vouch for the veracity of these claims, but it looks to me like at least his mother, who apparently drove him to Kenosha and then brought him home after he killed two people, is a an accessory to, to first-degree murder. And, and yes. that's a serious, serious punishment. Helen, thank you very much for the call. Dr. Lynn in Los Angeles. Hey, Dr. Lynn, what's up? I'm calling because in order to get votes back, I know that for me, I hesitate sometimes because I don't know things like judges and a lot of these local issues. So I look for a progressive voter slate and I never can find any, so I'll go on, like, the National Nurses Association to see some of their recommendations or the teachers' unions. But, I mean, I think, like, in fact, for judges, I go on conservative slates, and then I vote against whoever they recommend. But I think that we really need voter oh, slates that are local. 
And I was hoping you could talk to some progressive Democrats, you know, that, that have, you know, in government that could maybe, you know, do initiate something like that. That's an excellent point, Dr. Lynn. I, here in, in Portland, I know that Louise and I, the thing that slowed us down a lot the last time we voted, or the next to the last time we voted, the last one was just a local city council election, voted by mail, by the way, was the judges. And we had to do some considerable research on the Internet to track down who these people were who were running for Congress and everything. So thank you for that. I, 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 will, I will see what I can do with that. I appreciate the call. Mark in Tacoma Park, Maryland. Hey, Mark, what's up? Thanks for watching us on Facebook Live. You know, I uh, actually want to follow up on your, on your previous caller because I was thinking that our man-child president is affecting the ballots for the entire country. His name is not the only one on the ballot. There are governors, uh, school board members, comptrollers. And just because we not mean to vote the Republican president doesn't mean that we won't vote for Republicans something else. So he's affecting their... Well, this is the problem, Mark. I mean, this is, this is what Trump is thinking, and this is why the Republicans in the Senate are not speaking out against him, because they hope to benefit from his strategy. They're going to let him do the dirty work and let him take all the blame for it. And, you know, people like Tom Cotton and, and Tom Tillis and all these, you know, Joni Ernst, uh, Susan Collins, Mitch McConnell, they are all hoping that Democrats will be afraid to show up and vote and won't be able to vote by mail, or if they do vote by mail, it'll arrive so late it won't be counted, whereas Republicans who watch Fox News and believe that the coronavirus is just a flu will show up at the polls. And they don't care if they die three weeks later, or it's more like six or eight or ten weeks later. They don't care if they die a few weeks later as long as they show up at the polls and return these people to power. That's the bottom line, Mark. That's a bad equation, really. That's yeah. all I have to say. For, for democracy and for our country, yes. Yeah, but, exactly. you know, uh, Trump has made it very clear he doesn't care about people. Anyway, I just wanted to say that. Say that. I, I appreciate your show. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Mark. Uh, well said. Um, and, 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 and this is, I mean, you know, what Mark talks about is, and, and, and Dr. Lynn talks about, are, are very real issues. We need to have a national at the very least, national standards for voting. If we can have national standards for education, we have national standards for how hospitals are run. We have national standards for medical practices. Um, you know, we have national standards for radio and television, you know, technical, uh, the technical side of it. We have national standards for the technical side of the internet. Why can't we have national standards for the technical side of voting? It just seems like a very simple and straightforward thing. To have an educated and informed populace and a populace that has the ability to actually vote. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. 
Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis, go green with solar panels, or start a business. It's all possible with Figure's Home Equity line of credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to figure.com and transform your home. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at Skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. So would you like to watch the Tom Harbin program? All three hours of our program, patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Tom Harbin. When you become a supporter of the program through Patreon, you have access to the full three-hour show, patreon.com slash Tom Harbin. Thank you. Dominic in, is it Rensselaer, New York? I usually vote more progressive for presidential candidates, people that have championed in the past for people's rights more, people like Bernie Sanders or Ralph Nader. I voted independent in the past. I am not enrolled in a party. I went to voterlookup.elections.newyork.gov, and I'm registered to vote. It says my voter status is active, but I'm not enrolled in a party. And I want to make sure that um, I can vote for Biden because... Um, I agree with what you said earlier. We can work with Biden later on, but we got to get this guy out, this psychopath that's, that's just, like you're saying, burning the country down. But I want to be able to, to yeah. vote for Biden and get him out. So and do I have to do anything to make that possible? Dominic, thank you for asking, and thank you for looking up your voter registration, and thank you for caring about these issues. Um, the only time that your voter registration counts in terms of who you can and cannot vote for is in a primary election 
in one of about half the states in the country, and I don't know if New York is the is one of those states. I think it is, but I, I may be wrong. Where they have what are called closed primaries, uh, you know, where basically the Republican Party says, "Hey, it's our club, and you have to be registered as a Republican to vote for the Republican candidate in the primary." The Democrats say, "You know, Democrat, you have to be a Democrat to vote." But in the general elections. It doesn't matter what your voter registration is. So if you're registered as an independent or non-affiliated or however it's called in New York, you're good. You can vote for Joe Biden. You can vote for anybody. You can vote for anybody who's on the ticket in November. So you don't have to change it. The one reason to change your registration to Democratic, if, if you're inclined, if you think that that party is the future and, you know, more closely represents your values would be that you will probably then start receiving information from the Democratic Party, you know, outreach stuff that you may find useful. I, they, they're not going to spam you or anything like that. But, you know, you would be available. You would you would show up on those lists. And then also, if you wanted to show up at your local Democratic Party and and try to you know work your way up the up the ladder, the Democratic Party in New York really needs good progressive blood. You would be able to do that, too. You're, you're not going to be embraced with open arms in the party unless you're a, a regi- at least registered as a Democrat. Make sense, Dominic? Yeah, that does make sense. So uh, I'm just going to, to go to my uh, my old polling place that I'll, I'll look that up and I can just vote for, for Biden. I don't have to do anything else. That's absolutely correct. That's absolutely correct. Rennie in Reno, Nevada. Hey, Rennie, what's up? Hey, Tom, I have your uh, bumper sticker in my front window so nobody steals it off my car. The one I vote, <laughs> I'm voting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So listen, yeah, my mother, my, yeah, my mother is a, um, has a very sharp mind and a very old body. She kept falling, so we had a, she has now residing in a nursing home. So I called her and said, Mom, you know, we have to make sure that you can register to vote because she's a Trump supporter. I called the registrar's office in her county. They sent her the information, and I'm going to check to see if she's registered to vote. But how about all the people that are intellectually disabled in nursing homes that may have dementia or are physically incapacitated, but they're of legal age to vote? I'm concerned that we might have people that are slanting their own opinions with people that are vulnerable. What's your opinion? Yeah. There are there are there was an interesting story about this this morning. I'm, I'm pretty sure I saw it either on Raw Story or DailyCoz.com, and it was about how several states have laws against people who work in nursing homes helping their charges fill out their ballots. And the reason why is that they don't want people to be able to basically vote by proxy through an elderly person. You know, somebody working in a nursing home, you know, might be able to help cast four or five ballots or even more. And they don't want that to happen. Um, You know, when I first uh, read it, I thought, okay, is this voter suppression? But, you know, the more I think of it, uh, you know, I, I think that that's probably a fairly reasonable thing. Rennie, I, 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 I don't know where to go with that beyond that. I think it, it's, a, it's, a, it's an issue that probably needs to be discussed. Thank you for the call. Great to hear from you. Susan in Phoenix. Hey, Susan, what's up? Yeah, I happen to be a precinct committee person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, I do persuasion calls. That means I'm the one calling the, Demo- the Republicans and the independents. And I came oh, wow. up with a good way to handle it. One of the things I say is, like I had one young man say to me, 
If you're calling for Democrats, I will never vote for a Democrat because they want big government. And I says, oh, okay, so you're okay with being run by corporations. And he says, what do you mean? I said, well, Republicans, their way of making small government is privatizing everything. That's putting everything in the control of the corporations. Now, Democrats with government are uh, honoring the Constitution because we are for the people and by the people. We're by the people. I can put my two cents anytime I want. As a committee person, I talk to my House reps here in Arizona, and I share my mm-hmm. concerns. I talked about the COVID, and she got on the phone and she shared with me what she was doing, and I gave her my ideas. It was awesome. I said, you can do the same thing. If we're run by corporations, that will never happen. Look what's happening to private prisons and the health care. I said, it's costing us more money with privatizing. That way your taxes will go up as uh, private prisons. We're spending more on them than we are education. And basically that was the gist of it. And by the end of the conversation, he was saying, well, I don't like either party. <laughs> so he no longer well, moved his Republican Party. Yeah, it's a step in the right direction, I suppose. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. Okay, that's a good one. Susan, thank you very much for the call. I appreciate it. Melvin in Jonesboro, Arkansas. Melvin, what's on your mind? Hello, Tom. I just, I just wanted to tell you, you know, the, the fascism that, that Trump, you know, represents. I've been noticing something peculiar in Arkansas, you know, as I'm running around since he's been elected. And what I've been seeing is there's been an L.O. stamped in license plates. Now, I didn't know what that meant, you know, the first time I started seeing it. But, I, you know, I know some of these Trumpers, and I asked one of them out of the blue one day about the L.O. because he had it on his license plate. He said it meant law and order for someone who pulled up behind him, and it meant he's packing weapons, you know. I mean, uh, I'm just trying to figure out hmm. to myself, why would they be doing that? <laughs> <laughs> Huh. I mean, uh, okay, you know, Melvin, I can't, I can't confirm or deny it. You know, I don't, I don't know what the deal is, but that's, that's fascinating. Thank you, Melvin. Carol in San Antonio. Hey, Carol, what's up? Hi, uh, how are you? Well, I'm not supposed to ask that. My concern is when Hillary Clinton won uh, the the popular vote by over three million votes, Trump won by the electoral college. The electoral college, right? Right. So one of those votes was mine, I believe. So why even vote if he's going to win by the Electoral College? And who are these people? How can uh, they... The, electro- the electors in the Electoral College are nominated and, and typically put into place by, uh, I believe, by the political parties. It might be by the... St- you know, I'd have to go back and look at that, Carol. But basically, particularly given the Supreme Court ruling uh, a couple of months ago, basically the electors are simply voting what the state voted. So uh, if if the majority of voters in Texas choose Donald Trump, then all the electoral votes from Texas go to Donald Trump. If the majority of, of the people in Texas vote for Joe Biden, then all of the electors in Texas have to vote for Joe Biden. There's two states, Nebraska and Maine, that split that up among regions. But every other state, it's winner take all for the entire state. The Electoral College has been around since the very beginning of the Republic. It was put into place to to basically defend the slave states, and that's what it's still doing. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. 
There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Richard in Naples, Florida. Hey, Richard, what's on your mind today? There's been some discussion here about treason with Trump. Even Biden said that he would not object to the Justice Department bringing criminal charges against the current administration, which obviously would include Trump. But there's easily, I think, a case to be made that Trump uh, is guilty of treason. My thought is that can be a, a useful thing in the sense that we don't know what Trump's going to do after the election. And it's scary enough. My thought is that we should introduce this idea either now or after the election that we offer Trump uh, the, uh, the opportunity to raise a defense of insanity. Uh, and just give him that opportunity, not saying that we accept that he's insane, but we agree that he should have that opportunity <laughs> to raise that as a defense. Yeah. Well, you know, everybody in America has that opportunity, and uh, including Donald Trump, in criminal cases. I don't know that anybody has filed any specific criminal cases against him outside of the women who are charging him with rape. And frankly, I don't think any of those are criminal cases. I'm pretty sure they're all civil cases. They're all lawsuits. Um, so, you know. Biden specifically said, uh, Tom, Biden specifically said that he would not oppose his Justice Department bringing those criminal charges. Well, no, he didn't say criminal charges. He said investigating. Well, you know, maybe well, you're that, right, actually. That I should obviously, go, that obviously yeah, includes I should, criminal charges, yeah. Yeah, one would think so. We'll see. A lot of time now to go here in which these kinds of things can be done. And, of course, it'll be after the first of the year. Edna in uh, Indian Lake Estates, Florida. Edna, it says you disagree with me about what? About what you're saying about the Black Lives Matter. I uh, agree with the original concept of that program. But now it has gone beyond that. Atifa has also infiltrated with the Black Lives Matter. You've got to admit that. Everybody does. You're only showing one side of it. And Edna, I know what is Antifa? What is Antifa? Uh-huh. You don't, are, are you pretending you don't know what Antifa is? I do not know of any organization called Antifa in the United States. I don't know of any city where there's an office you can call Antifa. I don't know of any address for Antifa. What I do know is that ANTI... F.A. is an abbreviation for anti-fascist. My father was an anti-fascist. He volunteered to fight in World War II and joined the Army in 1945. He was proudly an anti-fascist. I am proudly an anti-fascist. But to the best of my knowledge, there is no such organization as Antifa. There are people who proclaim that they are opposed to fascism in the United States, and they sometimes refer to themselves as anti-fascists or Antifa. Antifa. But, uh, as far as I can tell, that organization only exists in the minds of Fox News hosts. Oh, okay. okay. Please tell me where, where they are. You're if you can tell me where they are, Edna. You are one of them. No, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. Tell no, me where they I'm are. Too. I'm serious, too. I'm a very serious person. You are one of those that have to completely gone off the deep end with the Democrats. You are ignoring everything that's going on. Everything that's going on in this world, you guys are ignoring it. All of this uh, uh, stuff that's going on in the different states. The, so the what's going on, Edna? Are you talking about black people out of control? No, I'm talking about the rioting. The rioting is not strictly 
Black Lives Matter. It is a group, and I can't remember the man's name who is behind all of this. He's he's financing it. Are you and talking you about the that. Jewish guy, George Soros? Soros, that's him. That's his name, yes. He's financing all this. <laughs> Edna, I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to laugh. Edna, you, you are know, the victim of an anti-Semitic conspiracy theory. George Soros has, is not financing any of the so-called rioting, none. You've got people who hate Jews and hate black people who are promoting look at his what website. you are saying. I am saying that he is paying for all of these uh, ridiculous people to come in and Edna, you're being lied to. No, you're, these people you're are being... Lying uh, to you. You are being absolutely not paying attention to what's going on. You're blinded. You're blinded by the media and everything else. Did you hang up on me? Uh, no, I, I, no, I'm still here. I just don't know what okay. to say. I mean, the protocols of... Well, the, you know, the, this started back in, in 1910 or thereabouts with the protocols of the elders of Zion, that there was this international Jewish conspiracy. The Steve Bannon crowd picked this thing. Well, actually, you know, Victor Orban has, in Hungary has, has been promoting this I'm for years. About, what I'm talking about George has nothing Soros, to do with the Jewish people. George Soros My has funded... was a Marine in World War II, a very proud Marine. He and he was Antifa. No, Your husband no. was Antifa. He was not opposed to fascism? Aren't we all? And that's what the Democrats are. Well, I think so. So, Edna, you're Antifa, too. Join no, me in not. opposing fascism. No. I am opposing the Democrats' way of thinking about what they're going to do, what Biden is supposed to be thinking about doing. This was totally... For example, what? Example, what? What does Biden want to do that's so bad? Okay. They're wanting to uh, take away uh, all of your guns. I am a lifetime member of the NRA, proud of it. And to... respectfully, let me just pause you for a second. Yes. I cannot think of any Democrat ever who says they're going to take away all your guns. The proposal that was made, which was supported by Ronald Reagan and George Herbert Walker Bush, I'm talking was, about and was passed during the Clinton administration, was to, was to stop having weapons of war on the streets of America, the assault weapons I... ban. That's, well, okay, as far that's as I know, that's it. That's just the beginning. That's just the beginning. Once they get that over, right. then it'll take everything. I am a... No, that's not what people are saying, Edna. That's what the people well, who are lying to you are saying. If you're okay with weapons of war on the streets and fascists in our streets, you can't call yourself an anti-fascist, Edna. I am for the right to carry a gun, to have a gun in my home. Okay. Edna, I'm sorry, we're out of time. It's the end of the show. But thank you for the call. I hope you can call again sometime and we can have another conversation. Thanks so much for being with us today. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place. In the meantime, you know, be nice to your friends and neighbors. You know, even those who are, who have joined the cult. <laughs> get out there, get active, tag, you're it. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.